0: on this week's show. Can 2023 be a better year for Dover Athletic? We hear from Chairman Jim Parmenter.
1: If I'm not here, then the club isn't here. We've had the highs and the lows, and um, this is a difficult period for all football clubs at this level.
0: It was a fine win to start the year for Seven Oaks Town. Boss Harry Hudson is looking forward to a bright future.
2: We just, just want to focus on playing well, the performances, and then we believe the results will come. And then let's look at the league table in March. And despite defeat to the Oaks, Beckenham Town
0: coach Phil Wilson is pleased with his side's progress so far this season.
3: I think if you'd have offered me this position uh, this time of the year at the start of the season we'd have taken it absolutely.
0: And we hear from a man who's written a book all about the history of the Kent Cups. And so
4: originally saying it was going to be one book, but there's so much information I've found, so I've had to make it into three.
0: Happy New Year, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the Kent Only Podcast, sponsored by Nick Cunningham Plumbing and Heating. We've got a bumper show to start 2023 for you, with four interviews for you after a cracking weekend of football. Well, to be fair, some teams may have enjoyed it more than others. Uh, I'm John Phipps. His first meal of 2023 was an absolutely stonking roast dinner, starting as I mean to go on. And on the line now for the first episode of the seventh calendar year in which we've done this podcast is a man I'm sure has been delighted to to return to work today. Matt Jarrod, how are
5: you? Yeah, I like to work till seven because we had a bit of a disaster. So, um yeah, I was, uh yeah, I wasn't particularly happy about going back to work, but you, as my mum says all the time, you've got to go there to come away from there, if you know what I mean, for a holiday. So, but yeah, it was nice to see a few people, but yeah, back to reality, it's chucking it down with rain. Um Yeah, January's depressing, isn't it? So uh, let's get on with it and get into the, the better months. But yeah, it's, Back to reality now. But lovely Christmas, lovely new year. Let's march on. Marching on together.
0: Things as we're going to hear during the course of this. January is actually a massive month for our football teams, isn't it? Because there's so much football going on. So at least we won't uh, be bored of football. Well, we won't be short of things to talk about on this podcast, will we?
5: Yeah, there's a lot of games. We have the same thing. You know, why are they playing eight games in January when they play about three in September? Because of various things and not midweek beggar's belief particularly in one of the interviews people say there's you know not much money going around in football so um yeah it should be a, a massive month and well i think we'll probably know a lot more um on the 3rd of february when we do the pod or whatever that near that date that where our certain sides will be absolutely how was your new year uh i spent it uh yeah we watched watched quite a few films over the last few days because the kids got film. we watched the james bond new one then we watched red notice on netflix with the rock and ryan ryan reynolds and then we watched another one but i was in bed at half ten reading my martin o'neill on dies like this football book um, and is that a good read yeah i quite like martin o'neill yeah i've finished it in a couple of days so um yeah it's it's, it's a good read i've read a, a football book for a while i do like a good football book but i quite like martin o'neill it was a yeah, standard read read it in bed that's it yeah but i was in bed by um 10 o'clock, so nothing exciting for the new year.
0: So you didn't even see in the the, the new year. The the fireworks in London looked amazing.
5: Well, I saw... Anybody know how those drones work? It's That's amazing, those drones. I saw it on the news. That is unbelievable. Is the fireworks... Fireworks are popular, but in 20 years, would it just be drones up there rather than fireworks?
0: Who knows? It was was certainly spectacular. Yeah,
5: yeah. How do you you get into a job like that... designing the thing for the drones that must be a, that's a fantastic job isn't it what yeah. a job doing that for the fireworks in london they must take months and months and months to prepare that but yeah very very yeah i also always said want a firework surely they could spell it out but so nobody's ever done have they no but the drones clearly does the way forward so fireworks probably not good for the environment and etc so drones are the way forward so big bold statement in 10 years there'll be no fireworks just drones
0: yeah we were that a bit bold. we were a bit conflicted because we were trying to watch them on the telly but also at the same time uh someone uh up in in the street outside where i was was letting off loads of uh fireworks as well so people were looking out the window they were looking on the telly i was a little bit concerned more in the fact that there was these fireworks appear to be being set off right next to my car uh, uh-huh. but i am pleased to report that everything came back unscathed and uh yeah, I had a very nice evening, actually. Um, met some friends uh, and, yeah, a few, uh, few drinks, a bit of karaoke, a uh, nice oh, bit of what's food as well. what was your karaoke
5: number?
0: Well, see, this was the thing. I'm not normally a fan. Um, uh, I love not, karaoke. But in the end, I ended up and uh, I went for um, Buck Rogers by Feeder, which is actually a very good karaoke song I've discovered. So that's going to be my go-to karaoke tune, I think, for the future. A but, no,
5: but, uh, bit rocky, Feeder, aren't they? Yeah, What's
0: that go? Kind of like then, it's like their their biggest song. So
3: yeah, uh, look down. it up.
0: I don't think I don't mm-hmm. think for rights reasons we can uh, we can do it. A, a bit. It's it's the one about um, getting a house in Devon, drinking cider from a lemon and everything like that. A brand new car, Jaguar, leather seat, CD player, right, player, the, player, yeah.
5: player, player, player. That one. Play. Oh, that's a decent tune. I know that one. Yeah, that's a good song. Yeah, got they they the. They still end, go, feed, do they?
0: They do, actually. I've seen them loads of times. I saw them uh, back in April, and they were oh, very good course. when I saw them in April. So, yeah, still going strong. There you go. Well, good luck to feed them. Absolutely. Um, yeah, so that's uh, that's that. It's our 240th episode this week, and that led me to a very detailed Wikipedia page about machine guns, uh, the M240. Zero is pretty big in the US military. Uh, I'm no gun expert, but the claim that during prolonged firing, the barrels can become hot enough to inflict second degree burns instantly without becoming visibly different made it quite clear that it's some bit of kit. Uh, Slightly less intimidating, but to be honest, much more fascinating to me, is the fact that until decimalisation in 1971... There were 240 pennies in a pound. I mean, what a system! I've definitely seen a video archive clip of people refusing the new coins because they didn't agree with it. But Christ, how complicated was all that stuff before then?
5: Uh, I remember my dad say, yeah, it cost two and six and things like that. But yeah, well, that would have been, yeah, what, yeah, that uh, must have been a massive thing when they did that, mustn't it? When you went from to decimalisation in the seventies, yeah, I'm from, yeah, <laughs> two. Who I don't, I don't came up with 240?
0: it was all complicated and it was all to do with how things were originally done and everything like that. And then I think they just kind of looked at it and said, well, why 240 let's make it around a hundred and the pound stayed at the exact same value that it was. But what used to be a penny was, but became what two and a half times more, I suppose uh, to make it a hundred. And then things like shillings and farthings all got binned off. I mean, they did keep a half penny coin for a little while. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and I mean, obviously it was pound notes rather than pound coins initially um, as well, and I, it got me actually thinking. We're here in 2023. We've become more and more of a cashless society. How much longer do you think one p's, two p's, maybe even five p's and 10 p's have got left in this existence?
5: None at all. My kids wouldn't carry money. so it's all on the uh, the one. The oldest one's got a card. So yeah, I think probably if you gave her cash, she probably wouldn't. Right, you know. Like, it's not something they actually I don't think they need to do at school anymore. So we will, again, long with fireworks, the end of cash within 10 years. Wow. need another bold statement here, isn't it? When you listen to back of this in 2033, no cash, no fireworks. Well, there you go. Anything else we could say nothing of? Probably a football player we to talk about later as well.
0: Yeah, well, uh, Matt Gerald is going to be setting on fire all of his coins. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So uh, look out for that one uh, coming to the Broadstairs area pretty soonish. Anyway, let's get on with the show, and money is actually a big theme of our first interview of this week's show. 2022, much like 2020 and 2021, was a fairly miserable year for the Dover Athletic, who dropped out of the National League, haven't really got going in the National League South, stunk out the place in all of the Cups, and have seen dwindling attendances at Crabble. Ahead of their first game of 2023, there's no prizes for guessing how they got on in that game, uh, Matt spoke to White's Chairman Jim Parmenter and started by asking what he made of the last calendar year. Um, I think it started slowly, uh, pretty improved
1: and you know I think as we, where are we, about 12th 13th in the table, I think that's probably where we deserve to be at the moment um, but you know still half the season left and uh, we've got a good chance of getting to the playoffs I think.
5: Look at the league table you're still closer to the relegation zone than you are to the playoffs, do you think it's a big few months for the club? Not particularly, no, no bigger than,
1: than any other few months of the club. I, I think, you know, it's, uh, it's a tough league. Now this, this league is what the National League was five or six years ago in terms of investment with the bigger clubs and the costs of, the, of running a club at this level. Um, so yeah, I mean, our crowds are, are disappointing which obviously affects what we can do with, uh, with player budgets. Um, but that's understandable given the, the financial hardship most people are finding themselves in these days. How much investment does it need at this level? Um, are you still looking for people to come in and help you out? Yeah, I mean, um, a club like this needs investment. You know, as uh, I've said many times before, we can't survive on crowds of 500 every two weeks. Uh, we've just been a 10-week period with only two home games. Um, so our costs have outnumbered our income by about 10 to 1 over the last 10 weeks, which obviously puts a lot of strain on clubs like like us and others. And you're having to put that money in yourself, I you, to keep the club going? Uh, exactly, yeah. Uh, have you had any interest from somebody coming in or taking the club from you? No, and I think the problem is what you're seeing, I mean, you have to look at what's happened at Gloucester this, uh, this week. Uh, the chairman there, the joint chairman there, have said they're, they're stopping at the end of the season. They're not going to invest any more. And I think you'll find as we get towards the end of the season, into February, I think you'll find uh, many other clubs are starting to uh, uh, come out with the fact that they're, they're, they're struggling financially. It's, it's just the way it is in football at this level at the moment.
5: From a David point of view, you're here for the long haul, aren't you? Yeah,
1: uh, it, I have to be, don't I? Because if I'm not here, then the club uh, isn't here. So, um, you know, it, it's been a long 19 years and... Um, We've had the highs and the lows, and um, you know this is a difficult period for all football clubs at this level. And um, you know all clubs need investment, and um, without investment, you
5: can't grow. From a Dover point of view, would you say this is going to be their level for foreseeable future?
1: Ah, uh, listen, a week's a long time in football, isn't it? You you, you never know. I mean, we we had we uh, we had poor cup runs this year, which which obviously means we've had no cup income. Uh, we went, you know, the fixture in was really bad anyway because it gave us two two games at home, and then two games away, etc. Um, and what this has done with the fixtures that we've got now, I think we've got six home games in January. Well, obviously, that is going to affect what people can afford to come and, and how many games they can afford to come and watch. And that's a worry, you know, having gone ten weeks with two games, we've now got five home games, uh, seven home games, I think it is, in about in about six weeks. And that's very hard for supporters to uh, to be able to afford. Have you thought about doing
5: deals for the supporters and things like that?
1: I have thought about that, but the, reali- the reality is, yeah, yeah, um, deals don't really make any difference. Um, it, it doesn't, if people are coming, they're coming. I mean, uh, it is possible to do deals, but at the end of the day, it's not the number of people through the gate, it's the amount of cash through the gate that pays the wages.
5: And how can you attract supporters, I presume, it's results on the pitch? It is to a
1: degree but um, I think most clubs, uh, there's a few exceptions but most clubs are finding now that the crowds are down and also uh, uh, importantly sponsorship is down quite dramatically because lots of companies particularly in this area are are feeling the effects of uh, the last two years of uh, financial
5: trouble. Back onto the pitch, um, you've had a bit of criticism from the supporters, yourself and the manager, Um, you're still fully behind Ali Hessenthaler? Yeah, I mean, why would you
1: criticise a manager that's seen us through what, what he did during COVID and we're sitting, you know, mid-table, why, why would you criticise that? If people want to criticise me, hey, listen, come and have a go. If you fancy it, get your chequebook out. If you think you can do a better job, <clears throat> come, and, come and talk to me. You can, by all means, have a go at running the football club. You know, I've been doing it for 19 years now. We've gone from Ryman South to the National League. OK, we've dropped a league now. We've got an A-graded a ground. We've got, um, you know, we've got no debt somebody can do better than that
5: Just come on down and you recently announced that you wanted to put a 3G behind uh, the, the river end down now there yeah? have you thought about putting a 3g on the main pitch instead
1: uh, we thought about it but I don 't really think that works for us um, the 3g behind the river end was the answer unfortunately um, Dover district council have decided it 's not a priority for them and they've basically blocked the football Fo- foundation funding that we could have got because they want to use it in other areas so we've now we're now left with the task of trying to raise that money elsewhere which without foundation grants is going to be quite difficult
5: so what, what will 2023 bring for david if you could look back in a, in a year from now where do you want to put the club to be
1: I uh, listen that's a question i can't answer who knows maybe we we'll get another covid outbreak um maybe somebody comes in with an investment and you, you just in, in, a, in a club like this just have to take each week as it comes
5: and you personally, how, you mentioned 18, 19 years at the helm. Would you change any of that?
1: Oh, you always make mistakes, don't you? I mean, nobody can say they don't make mistakes. Uh, but if you look at the 90s, as I say, where we were 18 years ago and where we are now and what we've got as a football club in terms of the ground and, uh, you know, the, the journey we've been on, the cup runs we've been on, um, you know, we've had some great times. But football's a game of ups and downs. And at the moment, we're in one of those periods where it's, it's tough. But you hope
5: he still can get into the playoffs this season?
1: Well, we're going to try. I mean, there's a lot of strong teams. I mean, you've seen the money that even at this level now is being spent, the likes of Ebbsfleet, um and others that are, that are spending what was five years ago a National League, National Division wage, is now, now quite regular in the National Do League. you think your budget is. Uh, competitive in this division I know it is obviously. we I, I know what the medium and the mean was uh, last year in this division our, our budget's about mid uh, mid uh, table if you like so our table our league positions really reflects our budget I think
0: well he's in bullish form as always there Jim Parmenter. so I have to say I do always love hearing from him on this show good questioning as always from my co-host but Matt as a Dover fan has any of that given you any confidence for
5: the future um, no, for from a Jim Parmenter has done a lot for Dover when he came in 19 years ago. We've been to the FA Cup third round twice, nearly got in the Football League and then moving out in the playoffs. So he's done a great job, built the ground up, something like that. But, um, there needs to be a wind of change at Dover on and off the field, in, in my opinion. So, um, as a club. I don't. I don't mind losing matches. That's by the by. You win, you lose. That's fly for football. But what I what I do like, don't like, is that the hatred that other clubs have for Dover, because we are so miserable. Um, we're just a laughing stock with other clubs, and, and that's what really upsets me. And there's no real need to do that, Jim. You know, Jim's Jim as he comes into interview. And to be fair to him, he, he doesn't um you know ask a question he'll give an answer so i respect him for that but i think we as a club we need to move in a different direction we've lost richard harvey as well who was a massive asset to the club as a kit man and various other roles at the club and he was sort of the nice face of the club that could quell some of the flames that came towards us but it's just i think that's more disappointing is how hated we are for for no real reason, from just being miserable. If You, you see where I'm coming from? Because we are a miserable club, and I, and I absolutely hate it that, you know, you have to apologise and people say, oh, you're, you know, you're not allowing this, like that and that. So, no, it's nothing to do with me. Um, being part of the media, you do get sort of abuse as well. and And, and I think the support base has realised, you know, when you're doing well, maybe you could crack, cast over, some of the issues that are going on. But when you're doing badly, it comes to the fore and something's got to change. Clearly, Jim needs some support for doing it. But as he said in there, if he doesn't do it, nobody else is going to do it. And then could be that a football club. So Dover are really in a quandary here. and I I don't know where they can go from that. Unless they have a a major change off the field, because a, a club's, smaller than Dover are getting a lot better gates I mean when you listen to this pod a lot of community work and it doesn't seem to be much at Dover and another person said to me as well which is right he said they're going because they go that's what they've done go to football but there's nobody who's going on let's go up to Dover for a bit of excitement and that is a concern with a dwindling support base people are going because they go I go luckily because I get paid for doing it watch the game if, you know but I'm a fan but again a lot of people like me like that are not going anymore and they've got to stop this because there's only a club who's only going one way in my opinion we said about fireworks not being here in 10 years um, and as well as coins good Diary Athletic not being here in 5 years the way they're going at the moment because it, it's it's a really sad state of affairs as I say we lose matches by the by it's just that you know off the field we've really got to turn it around
0: yeah, I think uh, I've had my own issues with Dover in the past, several years ago. Um, Everybody's and, had their
5: issues with Dover. Yeah,
0: and that's the problem, is isn't it? They, they've got a reputation now, and you know that's that's not all down to Jim by any any way of it. And you can make parallels with what's going on at a team two leagues above, whereby someone has been involved at the club for a long time, they've done a great job and kept them going, but they have put people's noses out of joint. That team is currently rock bottom of the Football League and has scored seven goals all season. And, and Dover are having similar problems. And, you know, I, I, there's a lot of things he said in that interview that I were, were I was really interested by. But the one that I have to take issue with is that his claim, which you kind of already mentioned, that most clubs are finding that crowds are down. That is not the case in this county. That is a Dover Athletic specific thing. You look at some of the other clubs. Rustle had 900 people on Boxing Day. Rustle uh, have never been at higher than where they are now in step five yet they can get nearly a thousand people through the gate Dover Athletic who are a one club town and they're struggling to get 600 people through the gates and yeah I understand the difficulties of you know it's it it has been a a tough couple of years but he's got to find a way of getting the people to come back in because at the moment you can't survive on attendances like that. And, and as he said there, and I did agree with that, actually, you know, budget-wise, this division is like the National League was five or six years ago. Yeah, completely on the money with that point. So Dover cannot survive on attendances like they're getting at the moment. And they've got to find a way of turning that round. And be it looking at offers or whatever, or just getting people in, going into schools and getting people to come in and making the people of Dover Feel that Dover Athletic is something to be proud to be associated with is a big thing, and at the moment, I, I think it's not, and and that's what I think has got to be sorted out sooner rather than later.
5: I think um, you, you've hit the nail on the head. Yeah, people aren't proud when they get you know at clubs they're sort of on social media. I know you can take social media with a pinch of salt, but yeah, again, every week it's Dover not doing something, no, Dover do that, and it breaks my heart to do that because. There's no reason not to be, you know, in some context, and I said to somebody, I'd rather we would be respected and we got relegated. Honestly, it's just getting that bad at the moment and it's and it really upsetting. So, you know, I've been going 40 odd years to Dover and it's my team. But again, you know, you know, we've had worse problems. We've got relegated and things like that and bad, really bad owners. But it's just really frustrating at the moment. and. Demoralising when you come out of there and there's nothing to be cheery about and people are miserable because there's nothing to get excited about and again that, that really just sort of it's a concern it's a massive concern I know it's the start of the year so maybe you look at it a bit better on the pitch it, it's not great but um and as some people say we're, we're sleepwalking to relegation here as well because there's nothing from there we got game next Tuesday isn't it I think it is home to Taunton. You'd be lucky if there's 300 there. And if, if I'd have said that five years ago, six years ago, you'd have laughed. So, but Jim has got to, you know, Jim has got to look at the issues around the club. Uh, and I appreciate that. The lack of money and COVID has really affected them and the decision he made about uh, not continuing. Does that look a bad decision now? Well, We'll have to wait and see. From I there. think Go. the thing is,
0: Matt, and I'm sorry to interrupt you when you're mid-flow there, but I think the the thing is, is that Dover have actually done some things that I think they, Jim, has done very well, and I think he's, you know, he's been, he, he's a stubborn bloke anyway, but he's really stuck to his guns, and I think that, on reflection, what they did in the COVID season may well have been the right thing to do, and 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 I, th- but I think the problem is. Is there's been so many other things that as soon as anything happens with dover people have got this perception that oh yeah they're just playing about i mean they're not county um postponement issue dover were absolutely right on that in the terms that the pitch was playable they had this the pitch inspected it was fine then the match referee turned up and called the game off they had this a similar issue with worthing the other week as well where the pitch was playable and then gets called off later on and and you know, Dover, Jim Palmer has, has got the interests of Dover Athletic at heart, and, and that's great to have someone who is so fixated on making sure that the club is looked after. But the problem is, is that the club has got this reputation, which, which in some ways is is pretty unfounded, I think. But the club has got a reputation, and as soon as you see something about Dover on social media, there's a massive pile on against them, and and I don't necessarily think that's fair in in all cases. I think sometimes they don't help themselves. But in other cases, actually, do you know what? They're, they're on the money. But if you do something that, that's a little bit controversial, people instantly go, well, it's Dover, it's Jim. And and then people have that negative perception.
5: Yeah, I, I don't know if Jim... Again, Jim is is a, you know, I think he's, he's he's a strong character and he probably could give a monkey's what everybody thinks. But I think for the future of the town and of the club and things like that, he's maybe got to be a, a little bit oh wiser and get somebody in just to give him a help him out in, in some context just to get the reputation of the club back on track because at the moment it, it, it's not and it, and it is um demoralizing um to see and i say I, I want us to be you know seen as a proper club uh respected by other teams but we're not having that because every week we come and there's people you know moaning about this that the other and they seem to be moans that you know we could solve pretty easily if we had you know where or where with or whereabouts about things so there you go and i have to say richard harvey's gone That's a, he's, a, he's a massive asset so he will be missed uh, but i don't think anybody's going to be able to take that mantle on so it is concerning but there we go um let's hope we can get something out of this and even i can win the lottery and then i can help them out there you go
0: yeah, I think the the telling line there was when Jim said, well, if I'm not here, there's no football club. And that's no. that's the, that's that, the yeah. big issue. You know, th- th- there's got to be someone that... who's got to come in with the passion to, to take Dover. Uh, and, and,
5: and, and, and I think um, he, wants to, he was, you know, he, he said it's, he's debt-free and what he's done to the ground, he won't want it to go um, to rack or ruin. So, you admire that from there. Um, but, you know, I think, you know, I don't want to get into trouble, but he um, just needs to have a think about things to count to 10 and let's get people on board that want to be successful. Um, as I say, people, when you're doing well, people sort of skate over these sort of things. But as we're not doing too well, or we haven't done it for a few years now, it's coming to a fore and eventually that something will will have to give, I think.
0: Yeah, and finally on that the, the 3G pitch, I thought that was quite interesting when he said that, that that having a 3G pitch actually as the main pitch wouldn't work for Dover. Um, but if if they wanted to get the, we've seen how it makes a massive difference to clubs to get that pitch in, get the funding, get it down. I think that that may be a, a bit of a a bit of a no go for me if if they've got the option to get the funding, get the pitch down, even if it does mean having a 3G pitch, you'll get more games on. Um, I, I think I actually think in Dover's current plight, that's a bit of a no-brainer, and, and I think that's where maybe one place where they may, may need to look at that again and say, actually, should we reassess that one? Because it was it was a very very blunt no, wasn't it?
5: Yeah, I, I think Jim has been pretty um, anti-3G. I think previously before, so he would have to sort of go full circle of that. And maybe he's not willing to do that.
0: Uh, Clever went on to lose the game against Dulwich 2-1 uh, not before a dispute with the visitors over their hopes to video the game I think we kind of covered that already uh, very important to clubs these days though that sort of thing so you can understand their frustrations uh, the other games on New Year's Day in that division both saw teams complete festive doubles uh, Welling overcame Tunbridge Angels uh, 2-1 to win for the second time while well, Dartford smashed Ebbsfleet again 4-0 this time making it an 8-1 aggregate over the week uh, that maintained the Dart's 100% record in Kent derbies this season and if this ends up being tight, the top goal difference could be a factor. And the Darts have managed a 14-goal swing on Fleet <laughs> yeah. in the space of two games. Uh, delight for them, Matt, but obviously a complete disaster of a week for street United. How on
5: earth do they
0: get back on track?
5: I don't know. Well, I, I've looked at that when I looked at the goal difference. when Before that game, that, you know, the 14, whatever it is, the big goal difference is could be absolutely massive now. Five-goal difference. They have got three games at hand, but they are six points clear at them. It's a massive few weeks for Ebsleek. They are playing Dover soon, mate, so they might be able to get out of the rut they're in. But um, yeah, but Dartford, just Dowson is a good, Alan Dowson is a good manager. Um, clearly he's got a good, he's worked out Ebsleek very much. And where do Ebsleek go from here? they got Weymouth at the weekend. How big a game that is for Dennis Kutribe. Would you say he's under pressure, John? Because we said probably what? Before I went to the world cup it's done and dusted didn't i
0: i think some supporters are starting to say that they're a little bit under pressure definitely i think that you know the, the, it's kind of said this last week but they've fallen off a cliff and the mark of a good manager is not when you're winning it's when you're losing and this is where dennis katribe is being really really tested and we know that epsom united need to get promoted back to where they will feel that they belong and at the moment, that's not going to happen for them. And you know, it's they've got to find a way of of doing it. And you know, looking at their results in the form table, I didn't think we'd see Absolute United down in 16th in the last six games. Defeats in their last four games. They've only scored once in those four league games as well. It's pretty worrying times, isn't it? And I mean, you know, that six nil win at Worthing five games ago. I'm sure they'd rather have won that one nil and then picked up results as they're going through. And 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 that's kind of the, the concern is where do they get these? How do they get back on track? And, and, you know, Weymouth have had a little bit of a bounce onto their new manager. I think they're, they've lost the last two, but before that, they're in quite good form. That's not an easy game. It's, it's not what they would have wanted at the moment, is it?
5: No, I, I think that's probably must win. And again, losing to your rivals, got a big few weeks, obviously. They play Weymouth, big game, Dover, then Chelmsford, then Farnborough, two decent teams around them. Yeah, I, I, I'm not saying it, I think it's must win for their hopes, I, I would have thought, um, to where they it's It must win for there. their confidence more than anything. Yeah, 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 yeah. But, I didn't see it coming. But, there was criticism before, they couldn't, you know, had that ability to play a little bit differently when teams come against them. And clearly, Dartford have done the homework and worked them out with two massive, massive wins. So, it's, it's a big game for Everton this weekend, and for Dennis Katrine. If they lose that, I think some of the supporters will be a, a little bit miffed uh, of where they're going.
0: Absolutely, uh, as we say, they're at home to Weymouth on Saturday. Uh, the leaders, Dartford, travel to Hunt, which has not been a happy hunting ground for Kent sides of late. Uh, well, I'm don't going be-
5: to Hunt at the weekend, John. Are you? I am.
0: I've been to Hunt. I've uh, never been
5: to Hunt. Uh, My when- mum lives at Chestnut Road, and we always when they play, <laughs> when when I always used to call them Chestnut. So of course when they, when they beat Dover, it was my mum was up front and scored for Chester against Dover. So there you go. Excellent. But there go. Well, yeah. um,
0: I, I've been there. I went there on the last day of a season. It must have been oh 13, 14. Uh, oh, and right. Whittam Town needed to get a result to get promoted, and they didn't. Uh, and they, oh, um, it was awful actually. And this is actually a really sad story because I remember the uh, the Whitton Town goalkeeper uh, was in floods of tears at the final whistle. Uh, they did get promoted. Uh, a couple of weeks later but that goalkeeper um, is a chap called Martin Guest who you may have read on social media recently passed away um, oh. a few weeks ago after a battle of leukemia so um, I was I was very much when I read that that day at Cheshunt very much came back into me um, your homework for Chessant is the stand when I was there is named after the father of a Premier League footballer so I would like you to tell me who that is um interesting i think, I think it's his wow. dad anyway or it might be his brother actually but it's it's named after a relative of a premier league footballer a current uh, so, premier league footballer or an old guy. yes a current premier league footballer all right um, so
5: i think yeah. che- i think isn't tesco's the home of cheshunt isn't what what's? Well, i think tesco's head hq is at cheshunt i funny that so yeah i i've got my good friend tom coming with us we're going to cheshunt for the day to see the darts so looking forward to it
0: what a time to be alive! Dover, oh, exactly. But, uh, yeah, yeah. Go to Hungerford on Saturday. Uh, that's also known for other things. But there you go. Uh Champions Angels, oh, I, 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 town. I have
5: been to Hungerford as well to watch football. So there you go.
0: Excellent. Uh, Welling are away to Worthing and then on Tuesday night as Matt has already said Dover host Inform Taunton Town uh, In the National League neither of our sides managed a goal in their New Year games with Bromley held to a goal draw straw by Southend on Sunday and Maidstone then losing 1-0 at home to Dagenham on Tuesday uh, Long trips for Hoy this week uh, as Bromley go to Altrincham on Saturday then Wrexham on Tuesday night that game is on the telly again uh, while Maidstone now in the bottom four head to York on Saturday uh, Into this mini Premier Division where 2023 did not start well for Margate as they under East Prestige and Ben Greenhill Went down 4-0 at Folkestone Victor. Uh, plenty of player comings and going since Andy Drury's exit, but no wins in five, three straight losses, one goal in the last four games, five points above the drop zone. Uh, they need to sort out what's going on on the field. Pretty darn sharpish, don't they, Matt?
5: Yeah, no. I, have they given, they haven't sort of put a statement out if they're looking for applicants for the job. So I presume Ben Greenhill and Reese Prestige might have it for a little bit longer then, see how they get on. But um, yeah, Woes at Margate as well, unfortunately. Uh, um, yeah. They, well, I didn't realise how much they could get sucked into a relegation battle there as well. So, uh, yeah, they need to pick up from there. I, I, I'd be interested to see what they do on the managerial situation. But they've been pretty quiet since um, Annie Drew went. So uh, maybe stuff going behind the scenes we don't know about.
0: Absolutely. In contrast to that, Craig Wanderer is now eight unbeaten, four wins in a row, 15 goals scored in those games. And up to second in the table after their three 0 win over Hern Bay. Uh, we spoke to Neil Smith a few weeks ago and his side have just gone from strength to strength ever since. Uh, worrying times though for Hern Bay and their new boss, Kevin Watson, just two wins all season for Bay, 11 points, eight points. Is the gap to safety for them right now we kind of discussed it last week no new manager bounce as yet and Kevin Watson I'm sure will be delving into his contact books to try and sort things out uh, this weekend Cray Wanderers go to Canvey Island and Folkestone and travel to Wingate and Finchley while there's big home games for our two struggling sides Gate to take on second bottom Brighton Regent and Herne Bay are against third from bottom Bowles and Pitsy managed by former Fabersham and Chatham boss James Collins Invicta uh, are then just down the road from me on Tuesday night as they travel to Hastings uh, Herne particularly, Matt, need a win and they need to win that game on Saturday, surely.
5: Yeah, I think, um, looking at the table there, I, I, Kevin Watson is a decent manager, but he needs to pick up something, just a little bit of confidence. Bowers and Pitsy, I, I think that's, a, that's an opportunity for them. They need to win that game. Defeating that game is probably unthinkable, but I'm sure they'll be organised. Um, and I think the new manager bounce. Once Kevin can get into the players, will come good at some point. I'm led to believe they were a, a little bit unlucky when they played folks in the last home games. So, fingers crossed they can get results this weekend.
0: Yeah, well, blimey, do you know what? We got so carried away with all of that. We're only just coming on now to the game that I saw on Monday, as two sides with ambitions of reaching the Isthmian Premier clashed in the league below. It was a very even first half at Greatness Park between Seven Oaks Town and Beckenham Town. But after the break, Oaks hosted a mini-goal-of-the-season competition as fine strikes from the excellent from Nan Yosho and two from sub-Soul Ball either side of Freddie Parker's effort gave the Oaks a pretty comfortable win uh, after the game I spoke to both camps starting with Oaks boss Harry Hudson and I began by asking if it was the perfect start to 2023
2: yeah I thought it was a really good performance the first half was closer but I think we had the better opportunities and we, I didn't think we'd like we should have scored probably but second half I thought once we got the first goal I thought we got stronger and stronger and the confidence grew in our camp and they kept leaving more and more spaces, probably trying to get back into the game. And I think we, um, yeah, I thought we deserved the four and we probably could have had more, if I'm honest. Quality goals as well, really good finishes. Really, um, and quite clinical from our point of view, which is something we've not always been. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think I think all if, if three of the four have gone in the same top corner. And Freddie's one was a great impromptu finish over Nick Blue. Um, but yeah, they, they, were, they were goals of real quality and frankly the boys have got that and we've, we've, we've delivered today so yeah, really couldn't be pleased more, couldn't be more pleased
0: I thought the number seven was the best player on the pitch actually first half as well and, and then
2: when, as you say once you got the first goal it was massive and, and having players like him who can make things happen it's massive isn't it? Fum's an unbelievable footballer he was, obviously he was a pro i would worked with him before um, and he kind of fell out of love with the game but his ability is frightening um, in tight areas you can't really get the ball off him and then when he gets you 1v1 um, He's very very difficult to stop even though you know he's going to want to come in he's very difficult to stop and they had to take their left back off at half time with an injury and then as soon as we saw it, they played they were having to play a winger at full back and we knew film could play up against him we felt like that was an opportunity for us and yeah he's he's definitely made it pay for us
0: just looking at, the, at your fixtures, it's a massive month isn't it you've got loads of games coming they come thick and fast so to start like you have today he's perfect
2: yeah especially after the loss against chatham um i was unwell for the game but um that was really really close and we had it, the, the match went on a penalty decisions one for them that was given and one for us that wasn't and obviously we've got our opinion on, on, on those but that was tight um, but no it's really good to pick up three points here we've got three bridges away on Saturday who are um, unbeaten I think at home in the league I think they're really strong at home um, and then we obviously play Cray Valley and Ashford and so yeah every game's going to gonna be difficult and there's lots of everyone's got a backlog I think i talked to Beckoning Director before I think they said they had eight games this month um, so the league's going to start to formulate itself probably in the next four weeks, four to six weeks, um, and we believe that if we perform like we can, we don't believe there's anyone in the league that, that, that is better than us, So, but we have, it's taken us a long time to try and land at that level and said so today, second half, I thought we, we looked really dangerous and um, I was really pleased with the, the, way we, the way we played as well as the result that we got. It's at times like this is why we've got so many games coming fast having a 3G pitch like this is, is a godsend isn't it definitely and like I think that's our fur on the bounce at home we had some tricky results at the start of the season at home but like we really want to try and make it a, uh, like a fortress for us and when we're here and we'll be playing like we are recently I think we're a formidable team at home and, and we need to make sure we replicate that in our waveform form as well but if we can play that at home that's, we've beaten Beckenham and Whitehawk in the last two games at home um, and both games we've deserved to win um they're obviously leaders some of the leaders in the league so if we can do that and we beat and Rams get away this year already like everyone it shows that if we can be consistent and I think we've got a good chance of having a successful season
0: how hard is it when you've got so many games coming thick and fast because I guess there won't be a lot of training at the moment and it'll just be match 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 how hard is it to manage just
2: to think about managing workloads everything like that yeah and like we've we're missing players today we missed four today um We've got. We'll obviously assess some of the bodies that have come off today with with, with a few knocks. Um, And ultimately, it's normally football. Like we've been missing players. We've got one. We've got two boys away today because it's the time of the year. It is so. And everyone's got the same thing. Like they've they've not got had Louis today. Their top goal scorer. So uh, ultimately, it probably even itself out if they're they're missing players and we probably are as well. And that that will continue throughout the month. You just hope you stay injury free. and manage the squad as as you can, and accordingly. This playoff race is looking like it's going to be quite interesting. And I guess you you, you think you're part of it. I think there's probably 12 teams, 13 teams, 14 teams I think they're a part of it. So, I think we we said after we had a, um, a blip in November, we just just want to focus on playing well, and performances, and then we believe the results will come. And then let's look at the league table in March. Like that's where it will be. And yeah, I think for us, we can keep just performing well, focusing on that then I think we'll, we'll see where we end up at the end of the year.
0: And just finally a good 2022 for the club, obviously it was in
2: relegation battle when you came in, you
0: stayed up, even if you started in flight. So what would make a good 2023? Um,
2: build the gates. I think performance level being right. People wanted to come and enjoy the style that we're trying to implement. Um, and then we don't know where that will end up. Like the club's got massive plans for the development and where we want to be in two, three years if that's promotion this year brilliant if it's coming close brilliant we just we want to I want to give the board and the club um, success because they deserve it they're a fantastic community club and yeah whether that's being in the playoffs whether that's finishing the top half we we don't want to be in a relegation battle like last year that's not good for anyone's blood pressure um, and hopefully won't be Um, and then yeah we never know we'll see how it goes long term project then yeah, it's, a fa- it's it's got so much potential as this club and it's just because of the, the the fantastic people associated with it, it's going to go so far.
0: As I said to them there, Matt, it, it was a great year for them last year and, and from that showing, 324 people there, definitely a club moving in the right direction. I remember, what, seven, eight, nine years ago discussing Seven Oaks Town when I was working at the local paper there and they were struggling to get crowds of 50. That is a club that is definitely on the way up. Positive signs for them and I must say they played some pretty good stuff as well.
5: Yeah, It's a a decent, you know, an affluent area, doing the ground up, good community. Clearly, Harry Hudson's, I think it was a good appointment. You know, Mickey Collins did a really good job uh, at Seven Oaks from there, but he walked away. And the job that he's done, Harry Hudson, to get him away from the relegation zone, I think from reading that, he's pretty Um. Thinks he's pretty confident that they can get into those playoffs in a very, very tight division. As he said, a lot of sides around there fancy themselves to get in that position. But I feel once they can get of a role, uh, carry on this confidence. And once they get on a bit of a roll, as we saw last season, they could be a um, an unstoppable outfit, I think. Again, they've still got a lot of games to play. I think they've basically played half their games now in this division. Some play, teams have played a little bit more. But, yeah, delightful. Who's the, I couldn't get the, on the interview. Who's the player he was raving about? That, the, that can,
0: was a sh- Shomerton who scored the yeah. opening goal. He played wide right and he just created havoc in the first half. I thought he was excellent as well. Uh, and, you know, he, looked, he always looked like the one who was going to make things happen. And then he cut inside and got the opening goal with a really smart finish. As, as Harry said there, three of the goals went in the same top corner and the other one was a screamer as well. So uh, it, it was great. And, and you know, funnily enough, there's been a lot of chat on Twitter about uh, about him. He's, he's been around a bit. He's been at Barnet and Kingstonian. You know, he's, he's a player who's played at a higher level. And we've seen with, with Seven Oaks, you know, that some players have, have come in and, and moved on and gone to higher levels. And I think people are looking at, at Seven Oaks and thinking this is a place where it's a good place to play football. You get to play good football. But also, they won't stand in your way if a bigger club comes calling. And I think that's where Harry is, is, is doing a really good job.
5: Yeah, they seem to be quite, um, you know, in the transfer market looking at players, bringing players in, moving players on, wanting some work. So his contact book must be really, really good. Um, and again, they haven't got players looking at the squad here that will particularly come to mind that you know I've, I've heard of before. But clearly they play some decent football and they've got a decent manager who's got a lot of contacts. And I think that could be a key part for the rest of the season. Um, and if they can sort their home form out, which has been a bit patchy, normally they're pretty good at home. Again, they don't concede many, but they haven't scored many. So I think that's probably one of the pleasing things there. They scored four in one game. So, yeah, an interesting... uh, The Ispian League is going to be absolutely fantastic. And I think, um, as you said, the next six weeks, as you mentioned earlier, a lot of games in January, we're going to know a lot more about this division um, in the next six weeks or so.
0: Yeah, and I think, you know, people... As I say, 324 people there on on Monday, and I think a lot of those people are going to be inclined to go back, especially if they're local and you know hadn't necessarily been before. I mean, the only issue they might have had is the is the parking, which was an absolute nightmare. I was I was very close to uh, to kick off when I got there, but the parking was was a real pain actually, um, uh, in and around there. So you know that and that's a good sign because it shows that people want to come and watch watch them play and a nice little place to watch a game of football. Uh, I, I had a, a well, I enjoyed my afternoon actually. It was it was nice to get out and. Get a bit of fresh
5: air after the busy festive period, uh, and and yeah, well done to seven oaks. The league table that's a massive win as well. They had to win that game, seven oaks, as well, I think, to keep on the coattails of the other sides. But so, but unfortunately, one team wins, John. We do have a, a Kent side that loses,
0: exactly. The loss of Artie Johnson at the break to an injury to the um, yeah, the gentleman's area, shall we say, uh, was a real game changer. He, he blocked a shot, uh, or oh, just towards the end of the first half, and to be honest, we all heard it. Uh, more than anything, but a real, a real pain point for him. And he had to go off. That was a real game changer, uh, as I just said. And, and after the game, I spoke to Bex Coach Phil Wilson about their start to 2023.
3: I mean, I've got no complaints on the result, really, because I don't think we really came out second half. Um, didn't really cause a threat in the second half either, but you're right. First half, I thought we were well in it. We were dealing with everything that they had. Um, we knew Freddie Parker was going to be a threat. And I think, to be fair to him, a lot of what they've created's come from him and the handful he was. He, I mean, he dealt... He'd cope with Moody um, and Rob really well up there, up top. So I think he made a big difference. Um, and I think as a game wore on, they they looked a little bit fitter than us as, as it went on. Um, losing Archie Johnson at half time was a, was a bit of a problem for us. We didn't have anyone who naturally could fill in there. Steve Townsend's gone there to do a job. Um, and again, there's a probably... A, he's he's helping us out there. B, we're losing his attacking threat by having to do that. So, um, yeah, that that didn't help. But we can't give goals away like we did today.
0: They are very good goals. They're all very well taken. Great finishes. They
3: were. They were great finishes. But I think the only one I can't remember the build-up to is the third. I think all the other three goals have come from us losing possession in relatively good areas. Um, and you come up against a team like Seven Oaks if you're on the attack and out of your shape, then they've got the, they can do that. They've got the players to do that, and um, and they've they've played well today. Take nothing away from them.
0: As a former goalkeeper, do you look at defensive mistakes more and, and sort of analyse them differently <laughs> to other people? Because I'm guessing, for, you know, but other people may look at differently, but you will know that if you were Nick Blue today, you'd be probably thinking, hang on, I've mean, not much of a chance there. Yeah,
3: he's, he's, he's a very frustrated man in there at the moment, Bluey. Um, I, th- I don't think I would do. I think, I mean, it, I say it was obvious today where, where the mistakes were, how they've broke. Um, again, maybe Archie does a little bit, gets a little bit tighter to the man who scored the first goal. Um, but Steve stood him up well and the fellas put it in the top corner. So, he's, he's the only place he could go and he's done that. So, um, i say it'd be harsh to even blame Steve at that point. I think if we keep the ball better um, from the throw-in, because it's come from our throw-in, that first goal, um, and if we keep the ball better there, then it, they don't even have a chance.
0: More generally speaking, uh, it's been a, a fine start to the season. And you'll hope this is just a blip?
3: Yeah, yeah. I mean, we generally um, come back well after after a defeat. Um, and I think that's something stepping up to this level. You know, it's, it's not like last year. We know there's going to be times that we'll come against teams who are having a good day um, and, and we're not going to just win every week. Um, and, and yeah overall the, the season's been good and, and today's the same as if we win we don't want to get too emotional if we win we're not going to get too emotional on a defeat we just roll our sleeves up and go again Saturday I
0: haven't played for the best part of a month as well That's
3: it? tricky isn't it <laughs> it is um, I, don't, I don't like to use that as an excuse um, I do think the last half hour they looked fitter than us um, and that's match fitness uh, we're not a young side um, so I don't I don't really like to use it as an excuse, but I mean to say, hopefully we've had a couple of sessions this week, um, and game today, train again this week, and hopefully Saturday will be a little bit sharper.
0: Have you found the step up
3: from the combined
0: counties into the into this main league? leagues? It been tougher than you were thinking, or about the same?
3: Um, about the same. I think we've coped with it very well uh, overall. Um, again, I think we'd, we did well to keep the majority of last year's squad. Um, There's a good togetherness in the dressing room um, and I think that helps as much as anything. Um, the experienced players we've got, so we're not a young team. We've got players that have played this level before so they know what it's about. Um, uh, I think if you'd have offered me this position uh, this time of the year at the start of the season we'd have taken it, absolutely um, and, and I say our hope now is we want to stay in that pack and, and have a crack at getting in the playoffs so yeah, no, it's, it's going well
0: Winning is a habit, isn't it? And, and and you know, once you've got a team, you look at the other end of this league table, and you see teams who are obviously just can't win a game of football. But obviously, you've come up; you're on the crest of a wave, so you just got to keep on going. And, and like you say, togetherness, belief is is key.
3: Yeah, that's important. That's why it's important not to get too kind of down and emotional about today's result, because you say winning is a habit, but equally losing is, and you don't want to get to a point where you you kind of. Looking at two or three defeats on the spin, we've got a big month this month. We've got seven more games in this month, um, so it's a good opportunity to, to turn things around on today, um, and that's that's what we will aim to do.
0: I was just saying to Harry, actually, you know, you've, you've, <laughs> he's got lots of games this month as well. It's, mm. it's it's really tough, and I suppose especially for both of you teams because you both had good FA Cup runs. You're always paying the price for that yeah, right now, and you're yeah, playing catch up. Yeah,
3: no, again we we. we I think we'd we'd have taken the FA Cup run and had the catch up absolutely, and and it. Uh, I'd, again, I don't mind. I would actually prefer it when this kind of games coming thick and fast, and um, it means you can get on a bit of a run. Um, it means that like, you have a result like today. We've only got a few days before the next game to to get over it, so I'd rather that than have a whole week of uh, kind of thinking about the result and not moving on. So yeah, no, I, I, we don't mind it. We've got we've got good strength and depth. Um, we had uh, seven so Brought um, Jeff in today. Um, we might have lost Louis for a couple of weeks, but um, I mean he's he's about. And, and I say there's a couple of other players that are not even on the bench today that are more than good enough to come in and start. So. We, we, yeah, we're, we're in good shape, I think, for a, a busy month.
0: Yeah, important to bounce back on the Saturday They've got a new manager, a bit of a new manager bounce there as well, I think. But yeah. uh, you
3: can only take on what's in front of you, can't yeah, you? Yeah, that's it. We won't worry about things like that. We'll worry about ourselves and, uh, yeah, hope to turn it around. And just finding the same question, just asked Harry to, to end the interview. You
0: had a good, really good 2022 as a club. What, what would make a good
3: 2023? Um, I think so. I think now, um, in the position we're in, to make sure that we're competing for the playoffs right up to the end of the yeah. season, I um, I can I hate. It. It's been a while since we had a season where we're not really competing for things. So um, I don't want to get to a point where we're mid-table and and playing for nothing at the end of the season. So I think if we if we can have a, a crack at getting in the playoffs by the end of the season, that would be a good twenty-three for us.
0: Right. Well, it was a disappointing result, but the old Chris Kinnear mantra there, Matt: never too high, never no. too low. Uh, and they are doing very well in their first season. at This level, aren't they?
5: Yeah, good. You know, they normally as I saw them twice this season. So. Um, very good at home way had some good results had some mixed bag results so we expected them to be up there at, at the start of the season and I think with you know they've got games in hand if they win the games in hand they go third in the division so maybe a bit of a blip but they're not used to losing matches and we just see how they bounce back from that but they you know, they've got they've got enough quality in that squad arguably missing uh, Louis who, who will score goals if he's given the chance and just got to make sure that they've got players in depth to do it. As he said, some players will um, uh, miss games at this time of the year, but that's that's life in general of football, isn't it? So, But yeah, I'm, I'm sure, if you, as he said, you'd offer them where they were in this division at this time. They're doing well and they will be a threat in this division to the other sides in a very competitive division.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's in, as we've said so many times, they know how to win games of football. You know, yeah. winning is a habit. Beckham know how to win games of football. They're, they've obviously got a good togetherness. Uh, you know, they, they were obviously disappointed uh, with the result on Monday. You can hear the disappointment in Phil's voice, to be honest. Uh, but it just, it you know, it wasn't a 4-0 game. And I think that's the thing that will kind of hurt them the most. Uh, and as I say, losing your left back, that's a difficult position to lose because you don't tend to have one of those on the bench um and you know that they put Steve Townsend in there who it's not his natural position but as, as Phil was today we didn't do badly but you know up against the best player in the park who, who'd already been excellent in the first half it was a big t- it was a big task for him um you know and and but there's not a lot you can do about it I mean they could possibly have, have changed their formation and maybe gone three five two something like that gone they did have a centre-back on the bench but you know you, you never know how these things are going to pan out and and you know, it was. I guess the disappointing thing will be for, for their point of view was that maybe the heads dropped a little bit. Certainly at two nil. Um, I mean, they still had a, a couple of efforts themselves, but after two nil, you know, that the, the the third and fourth goals were very well taken, but there wasn't a lot of closing down, if if that makes sense. Yeah. And, and as Phil said, there, you know, nothing Nick Blue could have done any about about any of the goals, and he was understandably very very disappointed with it.
5: Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I think they're a good side. They've got some good when I've seen them this season, and maybe that's, they've been very good at home, As you, when I saw you know, them, they've lost once at home all season, so, got to take that, into the away games, and if, you know, they've, they've played at nine games, lost one, won four, lost four, so, it's not too bad, but, in, in, interesting when you say, the heads dropped when they went down, would be a bit of a concern, but, I think they've got enough in the squad to be on to be in the playoffs at all, so won't be too concerned. But again, it's how you bounce back. Now, what you don't want is lose that one, then lose the next, and the confidence drops drops a little bit.
0: Yeah, uh, big games at both ends of the table elsewhere in that division, and it was Ramsgate who came on top uh, in their clash with Chatham Town to go six points clear. A massive result that one, Matt, and, and you would look at it now and think Ramsgate are very, very much in pole position. Uh,
5: yeah, six points clear against a decent Chatham side, brilliant at home, only 1-1 one, one away, a game, good, excellent crowd there, they had a bit of a blip themselves, Ramsgate, but they really bounced back as well, so, some came on the spin, they must have won a bit, Ramsgate, so, Steve Lovell, he's a good manager, should be managing at a higher level, but, he seems to have just, um, just got that little knack, good squad, good field factor of the club, excellent crowd, 1,200 or so there, yeah, pole position, Ramsgate, but, I still think there's plenty of twists and turns in this division. I really do.
0: Yes, at the bottom of the table, the big game was at Corinthian. We spoke to Michael Golding uh, last week, and he said that Sittingbourne was pretty much a must-win game for his side. Well, they did it in style, uh, winning by three goals to nil uh, against Sittingbourne. the gap now between those two sides is just four points. Corinthian have got 13 points, Sittingbourne have got 17. There's another five-point gap up to Hayward, Heath, Lansing and Three Bridges, who obviously we all want to... Uh, to f- have a terrible second half of the season, uh, all of those teams, but that is a massive result for Corinthian and, and obviously disappointed for Sittingbourne. But of course, you have to be pleased for Michael Golding and Corinthian.
5: Yeah, they had to win that game, and they've done it. Then they've got to carry on following that through. Sittingbourne haven't won since the eleventh of October. Okay, and they had a good start to the season, but just really just sort of tailed off a bit. I didn't, exp- I didn't really see that from them, but I'm interested to see how they can bounce back from that because, you know, that is a disappointing result against Corinthian. Um, I don't really want we'll to try well. Nick Davis, good manager. Uh, but we'll have to wait and see if, um, how we can get out of this little bit of a hole they're in. But uh, they've got enough quality, um, quality of manager and quality in the squad. But yeah, disappointing is probably what you can say for City Ball this season
0: very much so I mean they've got a, a decent budget there so they will be very frustrated uh, at how things are planning out uh, elsewhere in that division Hyde were 1-0 winners at Faversham, a result which leaves Faversham on 8 points so 9 points away even from a playoff place uh, at the halfway stage of the season so a little bit concerning uh, for them and Sammy Moore who hasn't had the new manager bounce that he would have been hoping for uh, we've already mentioned Ramsgate with 2-0 winners over Chatham 7 x 4 Beckenham 0 of course Sheppey United uh, picked up their second home win of the season as they beat Ashford by 2 goals to 1 up to eighth as well. We've got a lovely little cluster of Kent clubs just yeah. outside the playoffs. 7 8 Sheppie and VCD all on 27 points. Uh with above them Beckenham, Ashford and Whitehall we'll calling 32. Cray Valley have got 33. And then Chatham 36. Ramsgate 42 stats fans. Uh, Cray Valley were 4 0 Cray Valley were 4 0 winners at VCD uh, themselves on Monday to move up to third. It's looking good from a Kent point of view in that league, but as we just said there, it's so tight, isn't it, Matt?
5: Yeah, I think there's plenty of twists and turns coming. Ashford, 10 points off it. They've had a bit of a blip recently. You know, They'll come good as well, some of these sides. The experience of Tommy Worrello. Uh, it, it'll be great. What we want is, which I think could happen, Whitehawk can do one. We can get the, the champions, and then and all the playoff places could be Kent sides as well, So, which is absolutely fantastic. But plenty of twists and turns. I'm not putting my hat on any side. I'm not going to say Rams are going to win it, but I'm sure they'll be... Plenty of twists and turns. and looking at the crowds in some of this in these these clubs are getting as well, it's really sort of wetting the appetite of uh, local supporters as well.
0: Uh this the fixtures this weekend in that division is Ashford against Burgess Hill, uh Beckenham take on Lansing, two o'clock kick off that one. Uh it's Chatham against East Grinstead, Sheppey United make the trip to Chichester, Cray Valley PM against Ramsgate, that's a big game. Uh there. hayward Heath against VCD, another two o'clock kickoff as Hyth take on Corinthian, it's Disselhampton against Faversham, Sittingbourne take on Whitehawk, and as Harry Hudson said there, uh Seven we have got a tricky little trip to three bridges. We mentioned the other week, Matt, because they're very good at, at home, but absolutely stinking on the road. Uh Couple of games on Tuesday night as well. Three, in fact. Uh, Beckenham against Ramsgate, uh, Cray Valley PM against Seven Oaks, and Corinthian head to Littleham. So, actually, for Ramsgate, Matt, Cray Valley away and Beckenham away. Just said they're six points clear, looking good. That's a big old week, isn't it?
5: Yeah, Yeah, massive, massive for them. Um, he's got a solid squad there, Steve Lovell, but he'll be tested. They'll be really tested against Cray Valley, and they'll be really tested at Beckenham. So, this time next week again, we could be thinking, oh. But again, two wins out of that, yeah. So yeah, Steve Lovell will know it's a it's a big week, but it's a, it's a big month for this division now. Definitely, games be thick and fast.
0: Absolutely, into the Southern Counties East League then, uh, where on Monday there were a couple of nil-nils, but all the rest of their games, goals galore. So it was Beersted 3, Rustle 5, Canterbury City 0, nil, Lordswood 0. Nil. Town beat Stansfield by four goals to two. Uh, it was Glebe 2, Sutton Athletic nil, Holmesdale beat Fisher 4-0. Uh, Hollands and Blair were beaten 4-0 at home by the leaders Irith and Belvedere. It finished Kennington 5, K Sports 2. Uh, There were no goals between Punjab United and Whitstable Town uh, and Wellingtown 4, Deal Town 3 and probably won the shock results uh, in that division this season. I was planning on going to Tunbridge Wells against Phoenix Sports on Monday, uh, but that game was called off due to a waterlogged pitch. Now, that would have been the first home game Tunbridge Wells had had in 65 days. And I remember last year they didn't play at home for about three months in the middle of the season. And I'm going to make it my mission to, to speak to someone from Tunbridge Wells because... It's just not sustainable to play no games at home for such a long period of time, is it, Matt?
5: No, not as well. A lot of like Jim Palmer said in his earlier interview about that was an issue, and now you've got games coming thick and fast. Yeah, it, it, not, it, it's not good at all um, for teams like that. I don't know how you budget, how you can do things that You're going into your reserves, you may have to, reserves as in money rather than players, and you may have to release players saying so we cannot afford to pay you so this is where you need maybe a business model where you need your 3g or you need a good facility that people come to the grounds but it must be a real real struggle for for Tunbridge Wells if they haven't played a home game in x amount of time um and you know we know how hard it is to run a football club at certain times but if you're not actually getting your home games on it must be a real real concern
0: yeah uh, elsewhere in that division actually um Really, really terrible news coming out of uh, Whitspell Town uh, today that their under 15 Kent Youth League player, uh, Miles Stockwell, has lost his battle with cancer and passed away. Uh, such dreadful news. And our thoughts are, of course, with Miles' family uh, and everybody associated with Whitspell Town because that is just rotten news just after Christmas as well. So, um, yeah, thoughts with everybody there. Um, on the pitch, though, Matt, I mean, loads of goals knocking about in that division, as always. Everything uh, Belvedere, it's their title to lose from here, isn't it? Um I
5: don't, I don't think I've ever read a team that's lot, lots a 21 point lead at the top of the table. So, um, and they're like a juggernaut. So, uh, I think we're we're paying for the second place there. And teams like Russell winning and teams like Deal not picking up results um, and Stansfield losing really plays into Russell's hand, which would be an unbelievable achievement if they can get into uh, uh, the Eastman League. Unbelievable achievement and what a season they're having.
0: They certainly are. The f- fixtures in the scaffold Premier Division uh, ne- uh, this weekend, Deal Town against Punjab United on Saturday, uh, Fisher against Beerstead, Hollands and Blair take on Rustle, uh, Holmesdale against Canterbury City, that one's a two o'clock kick-off, it's Phoenix Sports against K-Sports, the Sports star should we have that one? Uh, Stansfeld against Kennington, uh, Sutton Town take on Lordswood. It's Tunbridge Wells, hopefully back at home against Town, although it's been raining again, so you never know. And Whitswell Town against Glebe. And Maybe then... it should
5: be the Billy Derby, as in sports, Billy.
0: Yeah, very good. I like that. Uh, yeah. There are just games in the Southern Counties East League uh, Challenge Cup next week. Uh, quite a few of them on Tuesday night. So if you're in the market for some football there, check out the Scaffield website. Just finally have a quick rundown down the, the results in Division 1 as well. Uh, finished FC Amsterdam 2, Croydon 3, Greenways 3, Lidtown 2. Rochester United, three Faberstrom strike force nil. And SC teams three Meridian VP four uh, back to fo- sort of full fixtures for them this weekend Brighton Ropes against Staples Monarchs uh, Croydon against Larkford and New Hyde. Fabian Strike Force against Meridian VP Lewisham Borough against AFC Whiteleaf Town against Forest Hill Park and Snodland Town against Bermondsey Town and Rochester United head to Tooting Beck. Uh, one more little thing for you this week: uh, a book has been released, which for many people listening to this show, I'm sure, will be incredibly interesting. Uh, the book is called A Pictorial History of Kent Football, and this is Volume One. You're going to hear because there's a couple more volumes to come. Uh, very, very well. Obviously, a labour of love to put together a book like this, uh, and delighted that it's come to uh, come to fruition. Uh, and the author of the book, or the curator, I suppose, uh, is Richard Ralph. And earlier on today, I spoke to him to find out how the book all came about.
4: Well, basically, it's um, over 400 pages, and it's uh, started oh 30 odd years ago as a little this just uh, something to uh, get information about the various cups in Kent over the years, and it's just uh, ballooned since then. So um, basically, uh, a pictorial history, so it's full of photographs and uh, information about the various competitions in Kent over the years with the uh, results of the finals, all the finals.
0: Uh, um, and how did it come about to actually end up going, going into print?
4: Um, well, I'll start to say, initially, it was just um, getting uh, information about the different Cups competitions back in uh, early 90s, just as uh, something to do, um, and just blossomed from there, and then I was I was thinking, oh, I could do a little book, and I was getting photographs, and It's just got bigger and bigger and bigger. So um, in the end, uh, I've had to split it into like three volumes, and this this is the first volume I've done, which is basically all the county cups, like the Kent Senior Cup, Senior Trophy, etc. But all the ones that have ever been in Kent, even ones which are now discontinued.
0: Obviously, learnt a lot, I guess, about the, oh, the yeah. about about it during your time of researching it all. Oh
4: yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that you know. I've, I've found out uh, over the years, um, for example, um, Arsenal, uh, their first ever cup was the Kent Junior Cup. That's the first cup they ever won.
0: How did you go about learning all this stuff? Because so I'm guessing not all of it's just readily available online, is it?
4: Oh, no, no. It's like going to uh, the newspaper um, at Collingdale, the uh, national uh, Newspaper library, uh, which is now all online, so it's a lot easier. And, and then just uh, writing off to different people, um, secretaries of clubs and leagues, um, and uh, just going down to the local archives, you know, uh, in different towns in Kent, and just uh, just looking for, you know, just oh, I've got a bit of information to look for, and just going there and writing it down. You know, there's a lot of travelling in those days. It's a lot easier now because a lot of it is online. But in those days, you had to sort of physically go to these places. So it's a day out, you yeah. know, on the train or driving.
0: <laughs> How does it feel that you've actually now got got the book in in your hands or or in your possession?
4: Well, it's really good. You know, it's saying it's, it's, it's taken a long time, and I've, I've it's one of those things that I'll. I'll do another little bit I'll do another little bit and in the end you've got to say no it's got to be done it's got to be done otherwise it will never be published and so originally it so saying it was going to be one book but there's so much information I've found I've had to make it into three so I've got two in the you know two to come out in the future as well um, the next one I'm looking at is to do with the Kent League or South Counties eastern league as it is now in the kent county league the history of that and then the third one is um all the outside competitions kent clubs have played in like the fa cup fa trophy in the various leagues so that's the third one you know um i'm looking to do this the kent league one this year this time next year and the next one the year after that so I'm setting myself a, a year for each one
0: and, and just finally the, the full name of the book and, and where can people get it from
4: right the full name of the book is a pictorial history of Kent football William 1 the county cups um, and it can be on it's on ebay um, or it can be picked up locally in Gravesend or Dartford um twenty five pound. Um but if you get it from eBay it's five ninety nine postage. And it's four hundred and eighteen pages, which is
0: pretty pretty big. Well matt, they say everybody's got a book in them. Uh that is Richards, work, first of Richard's three. Uh and I'm sure that that is an absolutely fascinating read. And and you know, he must have learnt so much when he was doing it. He said about how you know Arsenal's first ever trophy was the Kent Junior Cup. Now that is fascinating, isn't it?
5: well I will have to ask my Arsenal supporting friends if they actually know that so um, something I didn't know yeah I, again you know somebody who's read Martin O'Neill's book in a couple of days shows where my uh, allegiances lie with footballing books yeah really really interesting and a labour of love clearly loves a stat. once you get into something like that probably he once found a lot more information out and um, everybody's got a book in him and it's a fantastic read I'm sure so um, good luck to Richard with that and hopefully um a lot of clubs can uh, maybe sell it in, in the club shop and get interesting things. Like that, there'll be little stats for your club you never knew, knew about. So, uh, yeah, good luck to Richard out there and there. Hope I hope the sales go well. And even if it doesn't, an achievement to find out information, which really is a, an excellent uh, thing to do.
0: It does show, doesn't it, how you know researching in the in the 1990s and, and researching in 2023 are completely different things. Because <laughs> if we want to know something, we just look it up and Google. We don't go down the library and use the the old microfiche, do we, to to, to look things up? And you know, fair play to him because that is. Uh, you have to have a real passion to do that. You know, I've got a million ideas for books swirling around in my head, but actually taking the time to sit down and write them is a completely different thing And making the time to do it. You know, I sometimes struggle to put a couple of hours aside to do the podcast in a week. So, you know, absolutely fair play to Richard and, and thank you to him for, for talking to us. And, and, you know, Matt, I, I love that sort of things. I, I love a bit of geekery, you know, like, like your spreadsheets and stuff like that. So it's, it's definitely an, an, an interesting concept and, and well done to him.
5: Yeah. Well, as you said, Kent is a hot bread of football and there's plenty of information out there That and it's good that he's putting it down on paper and make, if you're interested uh, I'm sure we can, get, we can pass on Richard's details if you want to get a copy of the book
0: Yeah, well, it is available on eBay as he said there if you just search for a pictorial history of Kent football uh, you will find it on there. As you said, it's £25, um, but there is a, a, a postage charge on it. So, um, but yeah, I'm sure you can get in touch with him uh, uh, via that and, and let him know that you're interested because uh, I'm sure that that's an absolutely fascinating uh, book. And, and as you say, if, you, if you're clubbing, Ken, I'm sure you'd love to have a little bit of that. Uh, that is it for the football chat uh, this week. You, you said we been watching some films, Matt. Films. Like
5: yeah, the kids like a bit of uh, action comedy. So we watched we watched True Lies the other night. I don't think I've actually seen True Lies before. Jamie you know, Curtis. Yeah, and Arnold Schwarzenegger. So and we best described Arnold Schwarzenegger, because you didn't know who he was, to George, our youngest. Basically, he's the rock of the early 1990s. That was basically it. So she loves the rock and his films. So, um, yeah, I've been watching a, a, a few films. So, um, um, which is quite nice. It's, it's good that we get the family together so we can sit on the telly, sit on the thing, some films, some new ones. You know, it's, it's not, we're not going to be watching Schindler's List or anything like that, but, uh, to, uh, but it's, it's comedy films for them to keep keep them going, and a bit of an adventure for us as well. So yeah, so yeah, it's something we can do as a family.
0: Yeah, I suppose you can sit around in your bobbly tracksuit bottoms and your uh, and your Crocs and watch that. Um, exactly. I, do, do you? Does he still go by The Rock, or has he start actually grown up uh,
5: and started calling himself Dwayne now? It probably is Dwayne, but we call him the, the Rock. We must have seen everything every film he's done, and they're all pretty much the same. But the kids like him, and he's you know, he, yeah. You know, it's it's a little bit of escapism, which is uh, good to see. There. But it's, it's pretty amazing how much f- films there is on on these channels that we actually have. So um, we haven't really delved into that. Because, again, what I have been watching is um, on Amazon. I am a sad man. Guess what I watched? The wife fell asleep on Christmas Day. And guess what I watched? You're uh, never going to get this. So I'm not I watched a documentary about Louis van Gaal. I know how to live, don't I?
0: No wonder Mrs Gerald was asleep.
5: Exactly, yeah. I <laughs> oh, watched the documentary about Louis Van Gaal. On, oh, my. What, yeah, I am a sad man. I know that. So uh, now, Then I found out there's a documentary about Argentina's um, uh, build-up to the World Cup. So I've watched that as well. So, yeah, um, I do need to get out more of it, I think, really. I need to broaden my horizons away from the beautiful game.
0: Yeah, I've, I, I started watching uh, last night by actually... Came of all time and started watching Happy Valley uh, on BBC well, One. Well, I remember
5: seeing the first two series. Yeah, I what happened? We we'll get onto that. It's great. It all and, and actually,
0: actually, it start no, it's only the first episode, I think. But actually, the first episode starts with a really good recap all right. um, of the fir- of the last two series to kind of put you in the mindset of where it is. And uh, James Norton is fantastic in that, as as the horrible bugger Tommy Lee Royce. Uh, He's absolutely fantastic in that. And and I'm sure that's going to pan out to be really good. It's, it's, you know, yeah, Christmas and all that's over, but it's a good time for TV. You've got The Apprentices back this week. Loads of good drama starting and kicking about. So I'm actually going to make a. have got a a little bit of time away from work over the next few, uh,
5: next couple of weeks. I'd recommend the Louis van Gaal documentary.
0: Okay. (laughs) <laughs> I will add that to my to my long list. Uh, I'll, I, could you get me Mrs. Gerald's review as well, just to to
5: give me a fair? <laughs> I think she probably put her head up and thought, oh god, yeah. yeah, but I, yeah I, I, well, yeah. I think I maybe need to broaden my horizons a little bit rather than watching too much sport documentaries. So. so, if I do like Only Connect, which is still my favourite programme at the moment, but. Uh, yeah.
0: Yes. I'll tell you what else was good, actually. The, I know I bang on about a bit, but the Taskmaster New Year's special was really good. Uh, very, very funny. Um, some some good tasks and and good guests. Because normally it's all comedians and it's like 10 weeks. But on this occasion, it was like people who aren't comedians. And uh, there was one uh, woman on it whose name is Rebecca Lucy Taylor. Uh, she's right. better known as Self Esteem. Uh, this the the singer uh, and she you could tell she just loved being on Taskmaster and that was that really came across so it was really it was a really good watch actually watched it um, with my good lady over over a couple of days and, and really really enjoyed it both of us so that was uh, that was very good so yeah if you if you if you're short of something to watch stick that on um, and I'm sure that you'll find some enjoyment in that one as I say I've got a little bit of, a little bit of breathing space so I will be watching a bit of telly playing a bit of Xbox and just making the most of uh, of living the dream. Uh, for the next few days. Anyway, we have prattled on for a long time. This yeah, is going no, to be a long episode, no this one. It is going to be a long one. So, uh, but, you know, let's start the year which we mean to go on with a good one. And I think this has been a very, very good episode. Very interesting. Uh, and, of course, thanks to our guests for joining us. As always, we do really, really appreciate their time. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at Kent NL Podcast. You can find us on Facebook as well. Search for Kent Non-League Podcast. I am at JohnPips81. Matt is at Matthew underscore Gerard. As we said last week, we do appreciate so much every single person who listens, uh, who listened to us last year. And hopefully you'll carry on listening to us here in 2023. Uh, that is, as I say, that is it. Thank you, everybody, for listening. In, and we'll speak to you all next week on the Kent Lee podcast.
5: Sarah, I'm still watching Louis van Gaal.